Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. At SaveWithConrad.com, we want to be your mortgage advisor for life. Just ask Julia from Little Elm, Texas. Julia left us a five-star review and she had this to say, this is our second time refinancing with First Family. The first refinance allowed us to get cash out that helped us get out of debt and complete renovations on our home. Then we were able to sell it at a great price. Now that we're in our forever home, we refinanced again to take advantage of the low rates. We have a lovely home and room to breathe in our budget. Derek and Jennifer made the process easy and comfortable both times, and I can't recommend them more highly. Man, this is what I'm talking about, Julia. Thank you for that five-star review. No matter what you're looking for, you want to buy? No problem. We got you. Maybe it's time to renovate that house, but you don't have the cash? No problem. We can hook you up. What about if you need a little bit of cash to knock out some credit card debt and give yourself a little breathing room in your budget? No problem. But my favorite one, hey, let's go ahead and take advantage of these rates. Let's cut years off of our loan. Let's get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Every step of the way, SaveWithConrad.com is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And man, if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Think about what we're saying, guys. No house payments for two months and keep more of your own money. SaveWithConrad.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and Steven Singer's got your back with his brand new rose color, Sunshine Yellow. This new Sunshine Rose is a brilliant shade of yellow that dazzles with sparkles. His famous gold roses are real roses dipped and trimmed in 24 karat gold that last a lifetime. Steven has always been in the love business, and this past year we've seen just how important love is. In addition to brightening your loved one's day, Steven wants to put a little sunshine in everyone's days. So he's continuing to use a portion of each rose sold to support local restaurants by catering meals for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital heroes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and send a sunshine gold dipped rose. Order now and receive it in time for Mother's Day. It's a win, win, win. You'll give sunshine that lasts a lifetime to a loved one. You'll be supporting local restaurants by thanking our essential workers, and you'll feel good about doing it. You can't go wrong. They all come with a lifetime guarantee, free personalized gift message, and fast and free shipping. Simply say, I love you or honor mom on Mother's Day. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome. Do something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. She booted. What a rib. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. Scared to shock him. Thank you, Bruce. I love you. Double cheeseburger. You take the bread. Double cheese. Well, you know. And then double mayo. You know. It's called chicken salad. Double onion, mother. Oh, you're nothing but an egg sucking dog. They're 
the Google machine. God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What say you? Pronouns, pal. And now, something to wrestle with. Con Bruce Pritchard. Eek. The second most recognized athlete in the entire world today. Conrad Olsen. What happened when? Huh. What would Vince say about that? Well, hey, Vince. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? All right, man, make it fast. Let's go. You got your 10 minutes. Uh, uh, ask your question. This is uh, ask, uh, ask Bruce something. One thing. Two things. Okay, I'll give you two. What you got? Is that, is that your blood mango, orange, whatever the hell you asked our listen? No, it's not. No, I'm, I'm rehydrating. I'm hydrating. Rehydrating? What happened? Did you? Did I unhydrate? That's what I'm wondering. Did you relieve yourself? Did you, I, uh, did you free bird? I went out to dinner last night and I, you know, when you, when you eat a little yakiniku and uh Korean barbecue, you, you tend to, um, you wash it down with uh cold beer. Yes. Yeah. Ice cold beers. Yes. And then, uh, what uh, flavor are you kicking these days? Back in the day, we were strictly Miller light. But I, I heard a rumor that you ventured out a little bit into Coors Lightland recently. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, that's what I did last night. Yeah, I was a little bit of Coors Light last night. But then a, a friend of mine showed up and and uh, and stopped by to say hello. And then next thing you knew, it was well into the later evening hours with uh, my family and this person, and we were drinking some. Um, we were drinking. And I still went to, I mean, again, I, I stayed out really late, man. We didn't get home till like 11. Oh, and, and your time, you know, don't get my, me wrong. You'll leave the office sometimes at 1am, but as I we, left the office at three thirty-five <laughs> or night. So, Hey, yeah. But on those days where you leave at three let's say you get home at three 50. Here's a sneak peek into your pillow at three fifty-five. No. No, no, it takes me, then it takes me like about another hour to unwind. I'm moving shit. Sorry. Right, it sounds like a lightsaber. What yeah. You just did. Can um, do it again. See if you can make the lightsaber I, sound again. Wait. Oh, that's, you that's did that it. one little spot right there. Okay. Oh, that's, that's kind of <laughs> cool. I kind of like that. Yeah. See? Is hey. one, yeah. Okay. So I can't do it with my mouthful area, but Hey, whatever. My mouthful area. So listen, we're on the heels of two remix episodes. I should follow my sword last week. Uh, we had to do a remix because I couldn't record. So I'll take my lumps. It's always you, but last week it was actually me. So it's not always me. What the time I just take the hit. It's always you last I, week. I, it was look, me. I'll give myself 73%. Okay. Right, listen, I'm not going to argue semantics, but I do want to mention we did something kind of fun with those remixes. We did a Jeff Jarrett episode and we had Jeff on the show. And then last week we did a Michael Hayes episode and we had Michael Hayes on the show. So we found a way to sprinkle a little spice on those remix episodes. 
Well, see, there you go. It it it, it helps. No, it you doesn't. didn't know that like remixing could be so much fun. No, it's not fun. I still prefer this. What we're doing and what we're doing today is it's a show. Talking. That, yes, is, we is are that talking. your question? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, boys and girls. Appreciate you all very much. Uh, I'm excited about I this one. I need to one. examine that Wahoo headdress you got up there. Well, it's not moving, so you're welcome to anytime. It is moving, though. I can see it moving right now in the wind. Yeah, you, well, you got the fan on in there, and it's moving a lot of little tassel headdressy gimmick thingies. Okay. Um, do you want to rain on some people's parade about all that Bosch stuff? You and I had a private conversation, or should we not? Uh, well, which part? Well, so I mentioned to you, cause there was this crazy bonanza on eBay where people were just buying absolutely everything from that auction. And I know you had to burp up your saddle thinking, Hey, I bought all the wrestling stuff, everything out of his office. This should have been mine. But as I'm scrolling through, I've got some, some buddies who I've done some deals over the years for like uh, Ric Flair robes or whatever. And they were sending me screenshots of, Hey man, I'm the top bidder on this contract. And I would zoom in and I realize, uh, yeah, that's, that's not actually Rick's signature. And I showed it to Megan and I said, Hey, look, somebody's selling this on eBay for I don't know, over a thousand dollars as your dad's contract from Houston wrestling. And she looks at it and looks right up at me and says, but Beth signed that. So I sent it to Rick and I said, Hey, whose signature is this? And he replied, Beth, the concept being a lot of people got all excited about, oh, I got a Ric Flair autograph. So-and-so and well, I mean, it did have his name printed there and I guess in cursive writing, it does say that, but that's not actually his autograph. And then you made fun of me for being excited about the junkyard dog crown and said, Conrad, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, I might've, I mean, we had a few of those. (laughs) So what does that mean? Well, it means, okay. There, first of all, it's the same spot that Jerry Lawler got all his crowns, Southern imports in Houston, Texas down off. I think, uh, it was on main street or Fannin or something like that. Uh, but it was a great place. It was a costume place that, uh, people from all over, all over the country. This was like the number one source for a lot of unique, pretty cool shit like that. And they had a ton of those crowns. Lawler got all his crowns there. But it was blocks from the office, and there was a little run there where Dog, JYD, uh, had a crown in Houston, you know, and it was uh, with the Bachwinkle time. But we went through those crowns uh, pretty much, and usually they'd get smashed or left behind and lost. We just had the we just had a bunch of those crowns in the office in Paul's office. Uh, had like three or four or five crowns in the office and the, the likelihood of, of any of those ever reaching JYD's head and returning to the office <laughs> was slim to none. Um, cause most of the time either dog would, would take them or we would trash them and, and he would leave them somewhere and you'd never see the light of day, but we had, but we had, you know, backups in the office. So you could get them for, I think they ran like maybe 15 bucks at Southern imports at the time. Yeah. And it sold for thousands and thousands and thousands uh, of dollars Good for them, man. And, when, know, I, and but, when I mentioned that to you, you were like, well, if Paul had it, that means dog never wore it, but still, yeah, kind of, sort of, well, let's just use that as a disclaimer. I guess if you're a collector, 
to uh, be careful out there, boys and girls. And yeah, I'm you know, really- and, and 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 again, I'm not look. You know, I. I, I thought I was getting all that stuff. I didn't know that, you know, some of that stuff that ended up being there even existed, even though I thought I was getting it. And I, and I got a lot of it. I did get a lot of good stuff. And uh, to those that got it, man, I hope you I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you um, enjoy the history of it all. Because coming from Paul's, to me, it was sentimental. And, and it wasn't about uh, selling shit off. So Yeah. I mean, you're not going to sell stuff off. You're going to display it and celebrate it and memorialize it. And that's what we're going to try to do today. Within your house, seven good friends, better enemies. I'm so excited to talk about 1996 with you. Uh, this was originally supposed to have happened. I don't know about a week ago, but, uh, because of the remix, here we are. So I'm excited to cover this one. You were out. Yeah, I was. How was mom and dad's anniversary? It was great, man. Yeah. The, we celebrated their uh, 41st anniversary and uh, their favorite thing in the world is to go to the beach. So we rented a, a house on the beach and. When you were available, I was out of pocket and not near any recording opportunities. So we had a backup plan and and I thought it it turned out. Okay. We got to pay tribute to Terry Gordy on what would have been his 60th birthday. Uh, that's when our Michael Hayes remix dropped last week. So it was a nice little touch. Yeah. Love me some boom, boom. Let's get into this one. April 28th, 1996 is when in your house seven went down Omaha. Nebraska is the home here. It's a sellout 9,563 fans. So we're running smaller buildings, but that may be a big building in Omaha, 8,273 paying fans at a gate of $120,668. Check this out. Doesn't sound like a ton of money given the attitude era that's right around the corner, but this is the largest wrestling gate ever in Omaha. And it's a show that, uh, sold out about five hours before match time. This is an interesting year for the company. I think, you know, we could talk about 96 and 97 forever here on the show because, you know, we're, as JR likes to say, neither fish nor foul. We're not exactly flopping around, losing money like we were in 94 and 95, uh, but we're not exactly in a boom like we would have been in say the mid to late eighties or just a couple of years after this. Would you agree with that? That 96 and 97 are two of the more critical and pivotal years in company history. I think they were building years and they were years where we were making a foundation for the future. So a lot of things were changing and like, yeah, it was neither good nor bad. Wasn't, wasn't great, but it wasn't uh, earth shatteringly bad either. So it was a foundation t- building time that you just took to create and do what you can for the future. Are you looking for the perfect gift for mom or another loved one? Listen, if you're like me, you start to run out of things to give mom. feels like we got birthdays, we got Christmas, and we got Mother's Day. And sometimes moms are hard to buy for. I know mine is. But this is a home run. Especially if you haven't been able to keep in touch with family as much as you might normally would have. The skylight frame to the rescue, baby. This is a touchscreen photo frame you can email photos to, and they appear in seconds. So mom can see your favorite moments. We actually set up Skylight for my mother-in-law last year, and she absolutely loves it. She received the first photo, and from then on, it was a wow moment every single time. Now the whole family is sending photos to her frame, all the grandkids, the whole deal. And here's the thing, man. Skylight brings people together. My mother-in-law recently relocated from Denver to North Carolina, but we're in Alabama. No problem, thanks to Skylight. You're always right there. 
It's staying in touch these days with the people we love. It's more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is Skylight. It really is a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. This is a great way to feel close to those even when they're far away. You can set this thing up in less than 60 seconds and even the least tech savvy person can use it. My mother and my husband. Seriously, anyone in the family can send photos to this frame. I mentioned the grandkids are doing it. How about cousins are doing it? She's got an extended family in Minnesota doing it. By the way, it looks awesome. It's a gorgeous 10 inch touch screen. It's skylight frame. You can swipe through your photos with your finger or even tap to thank the person who sent the photo. How cool is that? But this is my favorite part of this product. A 100% satisfaction guarantee. Meaning if you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. Now here's a little pro tip. You can preload it with your favorite photos for a very special mother's day gift and surprise them with photos. They didn't even know you had, and you can tap that heart button and it lets the sender know you love the photo. So this really is interactive. It's so simple. I hate to feel like I'm piling on. My mother-in-law could set this up. Their customers love them. Skylight is something you're going to see people raving about. Check out this Facebook review. Quote, this gives her a little glimpse of us every day. And when we talk on the phone, she can talk to the boys about the pictures we send. Boom. Bringing families together. It's what Skylight does. And right now is a special holiday offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the promo code WRESTLE. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the promo code WRESTLE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com and the promo code is WRESTLE. And we thank Skylight Frame for sponsoring today's podcast and making us heroes this Mother's Day. Go to skylightframe.com and use that promo code WRESTLE. You'd be glad you did. You talk to me about the tagline. This is the first time that an in your house is marketed with the tagline. As we said, it's in your house, seven good friends, better enemies, previous in your house events would just be in your house. And if they, you know, added a name to it or a tagline or whatever, it would have been after the fact, were you starting to experiment more within your house? Or are you thinking that every show needed its own identity? Maybe they started to run together and have a, a sense of sameness to them. Yeah, I think basically that was it. It was in your house. Okay. Well, well, what is in your house? Right. You understood what WrestleMania was. You understood what survivor series, Royal rumble and SummerSlam were king of the ring, but in your house was just in your house. And to differentiate one from the other, instead of just a number, Hey, in your house, 22 and a half or whatever the hell it is to be able to put a subtitle in allowed you to go, Oh, Hey, this was the one and fill in, fill in the blank from there. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I've often felt that way about the UFC, you know, as you and I are recording, there was UFC last weekend, uh, and it was UFC 261. But to me, if you were to say, you know, don't get me wrong. Numbers like a hundred stick out or 40 when it was Tito and Shamrock for vendetta, those sort of stick out, but randomly, Hey man, who could forget UFC 172? Like that does sort of run together, but I think that the UFC, and I know you don't work there, but it feels like they sort of borrowed a page out of the WWE because boxing had always been, you know, name versus name. That's the way it was promoted. You know, it was, it was Tyson Holyfield too. 
you know, we're putting them first with this, we're just selling what the experience is. So it feels like maybe perhaps the UFC borrowed their naming after what you guys were doing with WrestleMania, the difference being WrestleMania happens, but once a year, would you agree with that? Yeah. And you know, it, 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 again, it just distinguishes what that event is. And, and you can keep those phrases in your mind a lot easier than you can remember. Well, shit, was that 21 or was that 22? Right. Oh, well, actually it was 47. And it just, it, it helps. It just really helps. We're, we're coming off a, a big event. Of course, WrestleMania 12, the boyhood dream has come true. Shawn Michaels defeat spread Hart in the Iron Man match to win his first world title. It's also going to be notable this in your house for being the last pay-per-view appearance for both diesel and razor Ramon. They're going to finish up on May 19th. So just a few weeks after this, uh, and of course that show May 19th will be the famous curtain call incident. The pay-per-view here, uh, does a 0.65 buy rate. You know, in hindsight, it's a sellout. So you got to feel pleased with that, but isn't it a little weird? I mean, I guess during a pandemic, everything's a little weird, but $120,000 is a sellout, not in 1986, but in 1996, were you having to be very aggressive on your ticket prices to, to fill those seats at this point? Well, I think also, you know, you have to take into consideration the market. And when you look at Omaha, which was actually always a pretty damn good market for us. And this was, you, you look at the area, you look at what they're paying for entertainment and you adjust. So I'm not really remembering what the hell all the ticket prices were. Right. It wasn't something that we did. Hey, all seats dollar. Uh, right. That right. wasn't it. It was pretty much similar to what we were doing elsewhere. But at the same time, it was, you know, it was different. And um, they came out. I think it was an attraction people wanted to see. Were you ever a part of a promotion that did an all seats a dollar type promotion? I've been part of promotions that have done, you know, like uh, dollar balcony seats. We've, we've done all balcony seats a dollar in Houston, different things. You know, you go back, and, and this is one of the things that Paul Bosch used to just get tickled. Oh my God. He would laugh was when Jim Ross came on and in, into mid South sports with bill and, and Jr. started getting more and more involved with things that bill was involved with. So bill was a part owner of Houston and Jim would always want to do these, uh, marketing gimmicks in Houston as well. And Paul, whatever it was, like, you know, 25 cent off all children tickets. Well, we were already doing half price kids tickets in Houston. Houston was a different animal and it was not run under the same guidelines, if you will, of the rest of the mid South mainstays. Okay. They did their thing. We did our thing. And Jim would come up with sometimes things and Paul would always go back to this one gimmick that he used to just chuckle at and he'd go, Oh boy, what are we doing? Women's slack night tonight? Because in the fifties and the sixties, it wasn't customary for women to go out in public in slacks pants. Wow. wow. They wore dresses and 
there would be gimmicks and promotions sometimes that all women in slack night, all women in slacks, half price. So if the women came to the event in slacks, they got their tickets for half price. Night of the show. And so every time that JR would come on, and it didn't matter whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, Paul would go, oh, boy, let's just have slack night. <laughs> <laughs> and do that. And it just, it was, it was one of those things that I have no idea how the fuck I got off on that tangent, but, um, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was slack night, promotional gimmicks, marketing shit. Oh, fuck you. Just goddamn kids are half price. Buy your tickets in advance. You save, you know, you save a dollar on your tickets. If you buy them in advance and they go up a dollar at the door, how fucking hard is that? Well, let me, uh, let me circle back to something we talked about earlier about 96 and 97 being really such a, a pivotal time for the company. That's easy to look back in, in hindsight, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and say, boy, a lot of stuff was changing here when it's happening here in late April, 96, did you feel like the company was at, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a crossroads, like you had to make a decision, like you couldn't continue to do things that you had been doing, you know, Brett's on hiatus and, and, and razor and diesel they're leaving. And we've got this new baby face champion who is probably the best in-ring performer in the world, but who are we going to let him wrestle? I mean, we just signed this, this big monster Vader, but he's not really up and going yet. Cause he came in hurt. Did you feel like, oh shit, man, we got real competition on the other channel and it's just getting steeper. We're at a crossroads. Change was in the air yeah, and you felt it. So no matter what anybody wants to say, when you, you know, you look back at it with hindsight being 2020, you, you have to, you have to understand that being in it at the time you're, you're fighting and you are in some ways just trying to stay alive and you're, you're trying to be competitive because now it's at a point where, well, wait a minute. Um, there is another game in town and there's somebody that has got an awful lot of money and someone that is going to be aggressively coming after us. So you have to view your business in a different way. And I dare say that anybody advice to anybody in business, regardless of whether you're the only game in town, you should never to look at your business as being the only game in town. You should always look at different ways to reinvent and different ways to change what you're doing to stay with the times. And at this time in the business, you could feel the change coming through, whether you liked it or not. You could feel that change coming through because people were talking, people were buzzing about what ifs. And there were a lot of what ifs out there in that atmosphere. Let me ask in terms of, and I know we've talked about this a lot in the archives, but I just want to bring it up. I guess we should mention, you can do our whole razor Ramon show, which is a marathon. And we recently did part one of diesel. Uh, you can enjoy both of those in the archives on YouTube, something to wrestle.com chat me up though. What's the, when you've got sort of a lame duck talent where we know he's leaving, he's working out of notice. We got to sort of go along to get along, but we're not really happy about it. You are in the middle of a war. So you don't necessarily want these guys hanging around your other talent, potentially trying to poach them. 
I'm not saying that's the way you think, but I'm sure that's the way some management people would think like, Oh, I got to keep them separated. Don't need them talking, blah, blah, blah. What was that mood like with hall and Nash where they're here, but they're leaving and they're not changing their mind. Well, I think you have to look at it from a, with your business hat on and realize that you made an investment in the talent and you want to get as much out of your investment that you possibly can. So you, you bite the bullet and say, okay, well, you know what, we're, we're going to get everything that we can out of you and, and you move forward and, and you keep your head down and you do the very best that you can with with the talent that you have at the time. And, and sometimes guys are going to go and they're going to realize that, uh, you know, maybe the grass isn't as green on the other side of, of the hill. However, uh, you know what, maybe, maybe sometimes it is, but it always isn't manicured as well. And, uh, when you don't manicure your lawn real well all the time, then sometimes you realize weeds start popping up and it takes forever to get that or all just goes away. So yeah, it is what it is. Is, is this a transition for a man manscaped spot? Cause I don't have that in my notes. You know, I was, I was, I was thinking that exact same thing as I was there for, but that's a whole nother conversation. This episode is sponsored by blue chew. Say it with us. Blue chew. Blue chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Let's talk about WrestleMania 12. Um, Meltzer would say, it appears that WrestleMania 12 did approximately the same level of buys as last year's show. Although that level actually is and was remains a subject of widespread discrepancies. However, the WWF did shatter a record one week later by drawing a 4.7 rating unopposed for the April 8th edition of Monday night raw, which featured the television return of the ultimate warrior plus Shawn Michaels versus Jerry Lawler and Vader versus Yokozuna. The latter figure, which amounted to 3.05 million homes was the second largest audience from start to finish average to ever see a pro wrestling television show in the history of cable TV trailing only the 1988 Royal rumble, which averaged 3.2 million homes and an 8.2 rating. By the way, that's because there's so few homes that have cable back in 88, 
but still here we are saying, man, things are changing, but then you bounce back with such a strong rating. And again, it's unopposed, but a record raw rating that's got to make you feel good in hindsight. Where does the credit belong on that? It feels like it belongs. Oh, all on me. (laughs) It feels like it's a combination of there's no competition and the ultimate warriors there. Would you say that? Or internally, are you guys saying, well, it's really Sean. I think it's a combination of all the above. It was new. It was the, it was the return of the warrior and people wanted to see what the, you know, he'd been gone for a while. So yeah, I, I credit the warrior a lot for that because it was, it was new again. Let's, um, let's mention that Meltzer wrote the WWF took excellent advantage of its largest raw audience ever with one of its best shows ever. The company shot angles to heat up the upcoming Shawn Michaels versus diesel match and ultimate warrior versus gold dust pay-per-view matches on April 28th. They also built farther into the future for an eventual pay-per-view match with Vader versus Yoko, which we expect to take place in May or June and Ahmed Johnson versus Davey boy Smith, which will be a house show program for May and no doubt hit pay-per-view at some point. Uh, I do want to mention the, um, April 15th show did a 3.1 rating and nitro did a 2.8. So you're still winning, but it's not nearly the runaway that it was before. Let's talk about some news and notes, because even though we're saying, oh, it's an interesting time when you compare it to 95, my goodness, business is so much better. Your average attendance in May of 95 is 3,440 fans. It's up 71.2% the following year to 5,890 fans on average. Not only is the attendance up, so is the gate. Your average gate in May of 95 was $43,250. We're up 120%. To 95,214 bucks and uh, television ratings are actually down just a little bit going from a 2.3 to a 2.2. But if we've learned anything from listening to Eric Bischoff, he says a 10th of a point is a fucking rounding error, but there's no denying, you know, 71% more people, 120% more money business is turned around from 1995. And it was, and you know, that's where I go back to the foundation and the foundation kind of being built and it, and it was shifting. It was changing the movement of diesel and razor at that time. You know, it forced a bigger change on the backside of that. But even when, you know, the, you look at the ratings war and what have you, Oh my God. Um, business overall wasn't the they weren't putting us out of business at that point it was in a lot of respects and and again if you want to compare books i would say that the profit and what have you uh would probably go in our favor because wcw was spending a lot of money and even when you look at it that side of it and i don't know that side of it as much as say an Eric Bischoff, but <laughs> when people would bitch and moan about the kind of cut Hulk Hogan was getting on his merchandise and what have you, and you look at it and go, compared to what? They weren't doing shit. Right. Hulk being there and actually selling merchandise and getting them to see and, and participate in other things is like, 
okay, he created something and created this that had not been there before. It wasn't like no knock on, uh, on Ray, but Glacier, uh, t-shirts weren't flying off the shelves. Right. So, you know, it, it was, it was just a unique time in the business and, and things were changing and we were trying to keep up with that change without, um, you know, going head to head, trying to, to match bank accounts with Ted Turner. Let's, let's talk about, um, the whole Bret Hart, Sean Michaels saga. We mentioned briefly that Sean beat Bret at WrestleMania to win the world title. After that match, Brett's going to go on like a seven, seven month break. I guess, uh, he does come back for that one tour of Germany where he wrestled a few times and Meltzer reports this, the WWF plan was for a Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart rematch for SummerSlam in Cleveland on eight eighteen, And they had even suggested a ladder match, but in any case wanted Michaels over clean. And at least at this point, Hart has no intention of returning at any time in the foreseeable future particularly to put Michaels over again. So I got more on this, but I want to take a timeout right now to the best of your recollection. Was that ever even remotely discussed? Brett and Sean SummerSlam. Yes. Not to my, no, not to my knowledge. Cause Brett was going away for a while. Brett wanted to do his lonesome dove and send bad stuff. And Brett was looking to get away for a while. I think if, if Brett in a perfect world could have gone away for a year, he probably would have. Well, it's just funny, but I've never really heard that. I mean, I think we've all heard and we've discussed here a lot on the what, show. Are you saying that Meltzer was ill-informed or just lying? No, I'm not saying that at all. He's even acknowledging okay, it's I'll not going to happen. No, he says it's not going to happen. Yeah. Cause well, but, but then why does he print shit like that? Hey, you know what? You uh, know what I heard Conrad? What'd you hear? I heard that, uh, Tyson Fury yeah. is going to fight Conor McGregor. Okay. They're going to do it on the, and, and it's going to be bare knuckle fighting on trailer. And they're going to be able to no, Oh, hell no. Showtime. No. no bigger than that. They're going to create a new network to do it. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's going to be really big. Can we, t- can we talk about uh, real stuff? Oh gosh. But you know what? They may not do it. Okay. This just in breaking news plans change. Yeah. yeah. So listen, the thing that I really wanted to hang my hat on here. Hart has no intention of returning at any time in the foreseeable future, particularly to put Michaels over again. Now this is before, as far as I know, it was like a real issue between the two. What was this just competitiveness or rumor and innuendo? hundred percent rumor and innuendo. Okay. And again, uh, as I said, many times coming out of WrestleMania 12, the plan for Brett was for Brett to create animosity for those guys to create animosity in Brett's absence by Brett, not saying anything. And then Brett had his little thing in the Calgary uh, newspaper, a column that he would write from time to time that he would like put little hints out there and say little things. All that was at the time, all that shit was work. Speaking of work, I want to ask about Brett's column in the newspaper. This used to get a lot of coverage back in the day the Calgary sun. He wrote, when you say a lot of coverage, you mean Dave Meltzer wrote it and then he wrote about it in his dirt sheet. No, I mean the internet would just all there the was no internet then in 96. Yeah. No, fuck. Okay. Are you just going to be in a fucking ill mood the rest of the goddamn day? Yes. 
you just ate 900 oysters and ate a bunch of Korean barbecue last night. What the fuck else do you want? I know. And it's all I had today. God, it was delicious. And so now you're satisfied eating your favorite food, drinking your second favorite drink, talking to your 132nd favorite person. What's the problem? What makes you think you moved up on the list? Oh yeah. So you don't realize you're the only person I talked to outside of <laughs> the bubble. Like, four other people. <laughs> I have my wife, my kids, those six people at the office. I don't, and I you. don't talk to my wife and kids. Yeah. There's no time for that. Yeah. Uh, Meltzer would write, although Hart rarely breaks storyline in the column, he did say that he doesn't like Michaels being a role model for small children and said that somebody should ask why Michaels was beaten up in Syracuse and suggested it was because a lot of the time Michaels behaves like a jerk. He also made a few barbs about the ultimate warrior saying he received a tremendous response, but he said warrior was more tired after his match than Brett was after going 62 minutes quote. Warrior will fade fast, especially if he hasn't learned any more than throwing clotheslines and shaking the ropes, but Hey, he looks great. How much of this is Brett just going into business for himself? How much is him trying to create interest for future matches? Does any of this ever annoy Vincent Kennedy McMahon? No, I think it was all, you know, Brett trying to stir interest. Brett did all that shit calculated. Every single bit of it to, to just point to his return. That was what that is exactly what he was doing. Also, it was the newspaper in Calgary. And contrary to the, you know, the the people that read Meltzer's dirt sheet or it wasn't that many people that got to see that other than the the smarter fans, if you will. I got you. Uh, we also wanted to mention the, uh, the tour that Brett worked. We mentioned briefly that even though he's on a seven month break, he did work this tour of Germany. My understanding is when Vince gave him this time off, it was, Hey pal, you know, you're over like Rover over in Europa. So we need you in the headline spot on some of those, or at least the co-main events. And Brett agrees to come back and, and work the tour. Is that pretty much the gist of it? I think that that was agreed upon beforehand. Yeah. 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 So here's what Wade Keller says. There's a lot of heat on the Germany tour between Tammy Sitch and Sean Michaels. Also a rib was played on Sunny, where someone put a turd in her meal. She left the tour early. Also in Germany, Michaels blew up at WWF officials when he wasn't told about a bus ride to a gym for a workout. Yet had been under tremendous pressure to make a ton of charity and promotional appearances during the tour. There's more to this and we'll just take a timeout for now. This is, I believe if we've pieced together everything after the fact, when Tammy and Sean were, shall we say, uh, having a good time and maybe they had a flare up over there, but I also know that somewhere along the line, it's been suggested that perhaps another member of the click, um, took a poo poo in her meal. And this was a bad PR scene. Obviously it's not normal behavior. I don't know why poop keeps popping up in wrestling, but here it is. Does X mark the spot here or what can you tell us about this? Thank God I didn't make those tours. Well, what's the word you're getting? You, you pull into the office, you park your car, you get up the elevator, you take a seat and somebody brings you a memo. You won't believe this. 
No, I can guarantee you there were no memos. Can you imagine if there was a memo on let like Wade Keller even spelled turd T E R D. And I was like, man, I got to rethink it. Cause my whole life I was T U R D. I guess in a memo, you need to know how to spell turd. Yeah. Well, thank God I didn't. What can you tell us about, uh, the sunny again, I, you know, not being there, you could, uh, you heard all the rumors that I've heard. And to me, it's all, you know, rumor and it just, you know, unfortunate when that kind of stuff blows up and takes on a life unto itself. (sighs) Meltzer would also say, or Wade would say rather, because Nash and hall had nothing to lose because they realized the WWF needs them more than they need them. They were said to be flagrantly violating all company rules during the tour. They were late for the bus as well as every other infraction. The feeling among many wrestlers and officials is that once Hart, hall and Nash are gone from the road shows, the locker room tension should decrease quite a bit. That is thought to be, especially the case for Shawn Michaels as Brad is his top rival and Nash and hall are his, as others see it, bad influences. How fair is that assessment? That these guys knowing, ah, I'm not sticking around. So fuck it. We'll do what we want. Yeah. I'm sure there was some of that. And, and again, I, that's why I just thank God I wasn't on those tours and Brett wasn't, you know, Brett wasn't coming back into the fold anyway. So I, to me, that's kind of a non-issue and looking for Brett to come back when that, when he was finished with all of his other obligations and then we'd move on from there. Uh, there's some controversy about gold dust too. Uh, the Connecticut post runs a front page feature on the gold dust portrayal and they had local, um, gay groups react to it. Uh, quote, what they're doing is horrendous, particularly when gay men are being beaten and even murdered in real life. They have this man dressed in drag showing he's less than a man coming on to other men who then beat him up. So they're saying that this is obviously, uh, a slippery slope, shall we say? I never, you know, I'm a kid at the time. I'm, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. I didn't see any of that. Uh, and I don't know why I didn't, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I wasn't as sensitive to this as maybe I should have been in hindsight. Do you regret any of the stuff that you did when you, when you see pushback like this, or was this time and place? I, I don't know. Again, it, you, you have to you have to put yourself in the back in the time thirty years ago, right. and it was it was a different time in a different place. And trying to portray the Gold Dust character as outrageous and a flamboyant character, an androgynous character that obviously people didn't understand what androgynous was and what we were trying to do with the character, and went to the lowest common denominator, yes. regardless of what side that they were on, on the issue. So, um, could things have been done differently? Possibly. Um, I don't know that it was, I don't know. Uh, to that one, I I say that we did try to be very sensitive, tried to be very sensitive on a lot of fronts with gold dust and felt that that portrayal of an androgynous, outrageous over the top character was the controversy in the character. And I don't know that, you know, I could see where other people, I guess, could look at it when you put on both hats and try to look at it and you try to see things from other people's viewpoint. So um, they're going to see it the way that they want to see it. And other people are going to see it the way they want to see it. I think it was in the middle. 
let's talk about, um, oh, by the way, if you want to hear more on gold, it's over at something to wrestle.com. We did a marathon episode, but another guy that we covered very early on is Brian Pillman. And in this era, uh, he's probably regarded as being the hottest free agent in wrestling at the time. He's not only being sought after by you guys, but WCW is attempting to re-sign him, which boy, that's a comedy of errors. He's actually spent some time in ECW that I'm sure a lot of people remember, but the real news is he's in a horrible auto accident. He's thrown 40 feet out of his Humvee on April 15th and he's hospitalized in Cincinnati and he's in a bad way. And when this is all happening, what are you thinking about? Cause at this point you knew Brian Pillman, you had met him before, right? You oh met- yeah. No, we don't really negotiated with Brian by this point, but you hadn't there for actually worked with him at this point, right? You had only, I had never actually worked with Brian at this point. No, I'd, was- I'd met Brian on several occasions and we had, we had talked, uh, done some business at this point, talking about him coming in. Um, but hadn't worked with him yet. No. Let me ask when you work with a new guy like that, do you maybe call up some of your old pals? Like, would you call dusty and say, Hey man, what can you tell me about Brian? Or do you play everything sort of close to the vest instead? No, I think that Brian had enough people around that were singing his praises. And there were, there were a lot of people that were very high on Brian as far as, you know, an athlete and a human being. So, you know, it wasn't the loose cannon gimmick was a gimmick. Right. And Brian worked that gimmick in and out of the ring. But I don't know that I ever experienced Brian being uh, crazy and too hard to handle, being a real life loose cannon. Well, hang on. I want to follow up on something there. Are you saying that Brian, even in his meeting with Vince, was working the the loose cannon gimmick or, or not? Is that not the case? No, no, no. I'm saying that to the boys, he would. Right. But I mean, he's not sitting down in Vince's office and no. being a goof. Okay. Um, when, the, when the Humvee accident happens, you guys still move forward with the offer, but this is happening at a time where, you know, razor wants a raise. He's not getting one, but Brian Pillman is coming in for a decent sized contract. And we're not even sure that he's going to be able to wrestle or had you guys sort of convinced yourself, oh, he's going to be okay. Or did Vince just think, well, this is the right thing to do. And he's worth it. Define decent sized contract. And who said Brian Pillman was coming in for anything more than what other people were already making. Well, I don't know what everybody That's else That's rumor and innuendo. Now his agent was out there telling everybody that would listen. I say. Trying to trying to get WCW to bump up their price, sure they were negotiating. But I, I could tell you that it wasn't extraordinary what Brian was making coming in. He had a downside guarantee like other people did. What's what's the concern? I mean, obviously there's there's a million different ways you could go with this just in your head. But when you see a guy have a serious accident like this, and I mean it's just natural to have concerns right? About how will he recover from this? Will he be able to return to his old form? I mean, he was known before this as flying Brian Pillman and uh, what's that going to look like now? Right? Well, I don't think anybody was interested in flying Brian at this point. Anyway, you know, the, the interesting character was the loose cannon character in this, 
uh, unpredictable, outrageous Brian Pillman. And nobody was looking for the, I hate to say boring, but Brian Bryan, Brian didn't have a lot of personality. Right. Loose cannon, unpredictable Brian Pillman sure as hell did. So, you know, I, I think that uh, you're looking at, okay, how can we utilize his talents? And you can utilize his talents with his mouth and his personality. Um, he doesn't need to be flying Brian anymore. That was just people out in San Francisco, California that really liked that. Let's move on. Um, Pat Patterson is going to make the news here. He's moving back to Connecticut in May. And, uh, it's written here by the observer WWF sources say he won't be going back to work with the WWF and that he was simply a guest at WrestleMania. I know you addressed this at WrestleMania, but did you ever get the sense that Pat, he means at this time, he's really retiring. Pat didn't move back to Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Pat stayed in Florida. So that would be completely incorrect. Who reported that? Was that a Meltzer report? Wait, Keller was, wasn't it? Answer a question. Was it Meltzer report? Yes or no? I don't know how we're going to be able to keep doing this show. If every time I say his name, we get sidetracked. Well, because I need to point out facts versus just blatant bullshit rumor. Every time. When it's blatantly wrong and talking about Pat moving back, Pat didn't move back. Wade Keller would say Kurt Henning's uh, insurance policy with Lloyd's of London either recently expired or expire soon. There was apprehension about returning to the ring after the policy expired because it could cause problems with the insurance company. If he quote unquote, just happened to get better. As soon as the policy stopped paying him for his injuries that prevented him from wrestling. He also didn't want to return too soon from injuries in general. As of now, it appears, especially with the angle on raw that he'll be incorporated back into storyline soon probably sooner than otherwise expected because they want to fill the gap left by diesel and Ramon come June and Henning is a major league name that keeps the WWF from looking small time after Ramon and diesel leave. Now we've done a whole episode on Mr. Perfect in the past, but I do want to just take a sidebar here and talk about the Lloyd's of London thing. How in depth are your conversations or Vince's conversations with Kurt about possibly coming back here? and getting in the ring. You know, again, it, it all comes down to whether or not they can. And we don't get into whether or not they've collected insurance or anything like that. That's, that's on them. Yeah. And they've got to pass the physicals. They've got to be able to prove to us that they can perform. And we're not going to get into anything with any kind of insurance company one way or the other, not, not our place. Not going to do it. Let's, uh, let's get into the show itself. Before we get there though, I want to mention there is a dark match and Meltzer didn't love it. Uh, it's Miro and the one, two, three kid. Uh, they go seven minutes and 17 seconds. He gives it a star and three quarters. And this is something you almost never hear. Meltzer would write kid physically looked bad. His work was sloppy and he was way down in weight appearing to be in the one sixty five to one seventy range. And then he, of course, he breaks down the rest of the match, but man, that really stood out to me in a major way that one, two, three kid looked bad. When did we ever hear that? Was there, was he hurt? Was he working hurt? Did you guys have concerns about Waltman in this era? 
No, not particularly. I think that, you know, look, sometimes you may not look the greatest, but I don't know the kid looked terrible. The, uh, the match comes to a DQ finish when Hunter interferes and, uh, uh leaves Mara laying with a pedigree. Uh, of course we remember Mara really just debuted a few weeks earlier at WrestleMania 12. And it's been said that newcomers would often be thrown in there with Sean Waltman as almost the measuring stick to see how good of a performer he was. So whenever I see very shortly after a guy makes a debut, he's got a match with Waltman. I wonder, is this more of that where we're trying to see, Hey man, where are we at? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Was that existing here with Waltman? No, I think it was more a case of looking to give Merrill the best match that you could possibly get out of him. It's also been said that Miro, for lack of a better word, may have had a little bit of heat on him because he came in with a quote unquote, big guaranteed contract. Now, whether or not that was true, doesn't matter. The perception amongst the boys, if you will, is that he's coming in off the other TV with a better deal than they might have. And so when a match is said to be not good, it makes me wonder, does some of that get into the guy's brain and then maybe and I'm not saying Waltman did this, but it wouldn't be above maybe a Hall and Nash to say, Hey man, maybe you ought to sandbag this guy. Do you think that's possible? I, I would hope not. I would hope that somebody wouldn't want to do anything like that because it's not professional. And if, and if they did, then they'd be unprofessional. I, I don't think that they, I would hope not. I would certainly hope not. During the pregame show, they have the ultimate warrior do an interview, which ends with gold dust, blowing the dust in his eyes, which Meltzer said was poorly done. They show Jose Lothario talking to mad dog Vashon to set up that mad dog is in the building. And then diesel does a quote unquote, fake shoot interview teasing that since they're live, he can say or do anything he wants. And he called himself the baddest mother trucker in the WWF. And he threatened to do something to McMahon on the pay-per-view. And they start dropping hints that diesel is pulling a shoot and leaving for WCW uh, without directly saying so sort of like a Japanese style angle. And doc Hendricks announced that Goldust ran away from the warrior slipped on water and hurt his knee. Uh, but they never acted as if he wasn't going to wrestle on the pay-per-view. And they also had Sonny pretend to uh, flash Phineas Godwin backstage a lot to unpack here. Do you remember this, this, uh, edgy interview from diesel? Yeah, and it was, you know, just that. It was to garner viewers and hopefully get last-minute viewers go, oh, my God, he, 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 he didn't do anything on that because it was free, but on pay-per-view, he'll do something. And what we were alluding to was the Mad Dog spot. Right. Was, holy shit, you won't believe what the hell is going to happen here. And then when you see him rip somebody's leg off, that's kind of a holy shit moment. Let's talk about, uh, the first match here. It's Davey boy Smith teaming with Owen Hart to take on Jake Roberts and Ahmed Johnson. They get 13 minutes and 47 seconds. Meltzer said this was made into a tag since Smith's knee wasn't ready. So they needed to add Hart to the show to save the match before the match. Roberts pulled out the snake. Jim Cornette fainted and Smith pretended to give him CPR. Even though Johnson's work is still pretty bad. He shows a lot of fire and potential to get over like a big dog. Roberts was in most of the way and looked bad because he's so out of the shape. It was really a one person match. And of course, as we know, uh, Davy boy and Owen Hart get the win. Chat me up here. Um, 
why is Jake Roberts teaming with Ahmed Johnson? Because he is a recognizable baby face and, and the snake's going to get a pop. Is that it? Well, also part of it is hopefully Ahmed would be able to learn from someone like Jake too. I see that, you know, that probably more than anything is the main reason that you want to have those two guys in there from Jake's psychology to be in the ring with somebody and be able to try and help them. Um, watch me understand why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And hopefully for Jake to be able to coach Ahmed through this whole damn thing. And that's the reason for it. And you put him in there in the ring as well with two great workers like Davey and Owen and watch them. It's different from sitting there and you can watch tapes and all this other stuff all day long and try to figure out why guys do what they're doing when you're right there and you're in the moment and you can understand and you can listen to them and you can also hear what they're hearing from the audience. It's all of a sudden it's like, okay, Oh, are you guys hearing that? And then you watch what the pros do in the ring. And Jake was a master at that. Always has been. Owen and Davey. Oh, God, you know, masters at that. So you take the Ahmed Johnson that you're trying to teach. You want him to learn. When he's in the moment with guys like that, you better learn. You got to learn something. Hey, got a quick question for you. If somebody came along and said, hey, man, what if you could retire 15 years faster, but it's going to cost you about an extra $100 a month right now? Would you do it? Is your future, your financial future, and meeting those long-term financial goals worth $100 this month? If the answer is yes, well, Jessa from El Paso, Illinois has an idea. We hooked her up. She gave us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say. Derek helped us go from a 30-year loan to a 15-year and his team was able to cut our interest rate nearly in half. That's right. Half. It's worth the paperwork. Thank you so much. Think about what we're talking about here, folks. If you have a 30 year loan and you could pay it off in half the time for like an extra three bucks a day, what are we doing? Nobody wants to be 60 or 70 and making house payments. And if you don't make a plan to get out of debt right now, you're going to wake up one day and look around and say, uh, I can't retire. I got to keep working because I haven't paid our house off. It's your biggest piece of debt. And I understand that can be overwhelming, but it's that old cliche, right? How to eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's what we got to do here, guys. Let's get out of debt faster. And the first bite is at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. By the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But if you're in a 30-year loan, you need to go to savewithconrad.com right now. Let's, uh, let's just pretend for a minute. It's fun for me to sort of fantasy book. We know that Ahmed Johnson was considered to be, you know, one of the next great big projects from Vince McMahon. And I think Bill Watts was high on him, et cetera, et cetera. Is there an alternate universe where he picks up on this a little better in a year or two, maybe even the next year, considering we don't really get the Sean Brett rematch. If Ahmed would have progressed quickly, could there have been a, a chance where he's in the main event at WrestleMania 13? Absolutely. That's fascinating to me because I know they called the Chicago street fight that the co-main event, it didn't feel like it to me. It's still I mean, the main event of that show will forever be Brett and Austin, even though it didn't go on last, but Ahmed Johnson versus somebody, man, that's just fascinating that that could have been a WrestleMania main event. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Ahmed was one of those guys that we looked at and said, this guy could be WWE champion at some point. I mean, it was had all the charisma in the world, had the personality, and unfortunately just didn't have that feel and was dangerous in the ring. I can't uh I can't imagine him appearing on Regis and Kelly though. I could. I I mean I really could. It, it was it, he wasn't stupid. Oh no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't his promos were not exactly uh I don't know. He's not he's not the brand ambassador that you know the Miz would be. You know what I mean? And nobody's what Miz would be, but it's, yeah, it's, I I think that, I think we could have gotten Ahmed there, but but, uh, I say that it takes two to tango, right? He's got, he's also got to have the right opponent too, you know, and and that's a whole nother story, but let's talk about, uh, the next match here. This is something else, man. Warriors going to beat Goldust by a count out of seven minutes and 47 seconds. It is for the intercontinental championship. Goldust comes out with a new bodyguard who wasn't given a new name. And, uh, they're, they're reminding us here in the notes that this is actually Mantar. Uh, Meltzer would say this was horrible. Warrior grabbed Marlena's cigar and began smoking it, sat in her chair and put on Goldust's wig and Goldust mainly complained and was barely in the ring. It would have been okay for two minutes, but it never ended. Finally, warrior burned Goldust's hand with a cigar and clotheslined him out of the chair which was the first body contact of the entire match. And Goldust walked out for the count out, not only a worst match of the year candidate, but a worst match of the year or worst match of the decade candidate minus three and a half stars. It's not really a match. It's a spectacle. Goldust is hurt. Was there not an opportunity to call an audible or did you feel like the old adage of we've just got to get it in the ring? Well, we wanted to be safe and get whatever we could in the ring and just do something that Goldust felt comfortable with and be able to get both characters out there and tell a story, not have a match, not looking to have a match because Goldust couldn't have had a match. But um, to be able to give both participants that people wanted to see and do something with them as best they could. Meltzer would say Goldust clearly couldn't work the show. And unfortunately being wrestling promoters, even when they make a policy of trying to be honest with fans hey. after some memorable bait and switches of the past, what were you saying? Oh, he left out. Mantar. Well, please elaborate on Mantar. He had hoofs. Well, not, not here <laughs> on this show. I love that's your go-to though. You, and by the way, you're doing it. Like, as if anyone will ever see the video, you hold up to the camera. Your well, I'm showing you hoofs. It's hilarious. Like, you know, hoofs. Like fucking hoofs. Uh, yeah, Mike Halleck trying to, to salvage something there and, and be a bodyguard for Mantar. That was one of those that. God damn. Uh, Mike was such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> that gimmick was horrible. Sorry. Yeah. Half tar. I mean, what the fuck? Hey, let me yeah, ask. Hoops. I know this is, this is crazy, but somebody asked me the other day and I honestly had never thought about it. And I, I was almost disappointed in myself. You have sometimes I'm going to put you on the spot here. You may not like this, but you have sometimes come on the show and talked about the president or whatever his title was of WWF Canada, Carl DeMarco. And he would sometimes refer to him 
as old bison head was, was the mantar gimmick, a rib on Carl DeMarco. Oh God. No. So mantar's head did not remind you of Carl DeMarco's head. Oh God. No. Carl's head was much larger. (laughs) Okay. No, absolutely. No, God. No, not even remotely. When somebody asked me that I never thought of it. And it was like, yeah, it was right in front of us the whole time. No, sorry. Let's talk about the ultimate warrior getting a column in the WWF magazine. This is real. By now, all the rumors have been laid to rest regarding the return of the ultimate warrior. No more hoaxes, no more teases, no more pathetic imitations. Hang up your boots, renegade and find a gym. I know I speak for everyone in saying that it's a great time to be back home. Whatever differences in the past between Titan sports and me, I have never forgotten. The world wrestling federation is the birthplace of the ultimate warrior. Warrior university is the only full scale training facility for developing real pro wrestlers and sports entertainers, everything from fantasy camps, lifestyle, changing camps to technical and character, technical and character development camps for those who wish to become the next superstar in the world of professional wrestling. So we get a little plug in here for warrior university. Do you ever meet anybody who went to warrior university? I don't know that warrior university ever actually opened. I'm disappointed to hear that. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that shortly after, you know, everything was, was done that warrior came in the gym one day and just closed everything down. I mean, it looks as if I'm looking at a facility. I feel like I've seen pictures. Oh my God. It was an unbelievable facility. It was beautiful. So you saw it. Oh, I saw it, man. It was one of the night. It was a really super great, nice gym. But he, I, and, and to this day, I, and I'm not, he came in one day and basically fired everyone, closed the gym and just shut it all down, shut everything down. He was going to restructure. I I don't know. He left shortly thereafter too, but, um, no one really knows. I mean, I'm sure he did, but, or maybe not, but it was this, I mean, when you talk about an impressive facility, it was a very impressive facility. Well, and here's the thing is if you're talking about, you know, diet and exercise and getting your look right and, you know, being crazy presentation, he's probably got all that. But boy, it tickles me. We're going to teach you the technical aspects of being a professional. What now? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I don't think he ever got one student, um, uh, to my knowledge, but, um, shortly. Yeah. Shortly in this time, he went and just shut everything down. Well, razor Ramon's about to shut it down too, but first he's got to put over Vader. Vader's going to pin razor in 14 minutes and 49 seconds. Meltzer would say Vader dominated early, but Ramon got a strong comeback and Vader Look to have put on another 15 pounds or so, and it works against him in long matches. Still, it was a good match with some good near falls and solid psychology. The finish saw razor go for the razor's edge, but Vader flipped out of it and gave him a hip drop for the pin three and a quarter stars. Believe it or not, these guys have known each other a long time. They were both in the AWA, like, I don't know, 10, 11 years prior to this with Vader known as his real name, Leon white and razor Ramon also going by Scott hall. Um, why was Vader the right opponent 
uh, to beat razor Ramon here. Clearly he's going to do the favor for somebody. Let's just get Vader a big win over a big name. Is that the thinking? All the above. It was somebody that razor give razor some credibility and be able to, uh, have Vader. I say razor give Vader credibility in beating someone like razor. And it was the, the right opponent. Plus they had chemistry and I thought they gelled well together. And you do go back from the time that, God, I think it was like Leon when Leon first started in the business with Vern in the AWA when Scott was there. And he wasn't just Scott Hall. He was big Scott Hall. Yes, he was. Yeah, that was his gimmick. I'm big. And he is a, you know, Scott Hall is another one. We talk about deceiving motherfuckers. Oh, he's Hulk Hogan size and nobody he's, talks about it. I mean, him. Scott's huge. Yes. Scott's a big man. And it's very deceptive because, you know, I mean, he's got this damn chiseled body. But I saw him the other day and I was like, man, he's still just, he's Scott Hall. He's, he's, <laughs> that's what I said. Big Scott Hall. That wasn't a gimmick. That was a gimmick. You know what I mean? He was big. He was Scott Hall. What'd you think of, uh, Vader's performance here? You know, he's been the top guy, the top heel over on the WCW side of things for quite a while. You're excited to get him. You do the big angle with him and gorilla monsoon in January. He's really getting up and going now. Meltzer says, Hey, he looks heavier and it's probably hurting him a little bit. This is one of his sort of coming out performances on pay-per-view. Of course he was on the WrestleMania card, but I don't know if that counts. There's a bunch of other guys in that match. But here, one-on-one, a top talent, a guy you know, like, and trust, and Razor Ramon. What did you and Vince think of, uh, of Vader's performance here? I thought it was a little underwhelming, personally, because you have to – there were so many things when you look back on some guys that would come in from other places that were top guys – when they get into our rings in general, the ring's a little bit bigger. It's got ropes instead of cables. Um, some guys can adapt. Some guys can't. Some of that threw Leon off because Leon was used to working in smaller rings. He was used to working with cables for ropes instead of actual rope. And I think that there were just little things. His timing was off. He had put on weight. And you put on weight. Now you've got an extra, you know, an extra step or step and a half or an extra two steps in the ring that I'm not used to when I'm those little things add up Yeah, as a performer that's used to doing things one way. Then you come into, you know, you're the big fish in the small pond. Now you come into the ocean and wait a minute, there's sharks in here. Right. And, you're a whale, but you're not a killer whale. And you have to, you have to adapt. And I think Leon wanted to come in and be the great white shark. And he just wasn't. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. I know what you're thinking. This guy has another podcast. Listen, I get it, but let me explain for years. I've been asked if you could have a podcast with anyone in wrestling today, who would it be? And I've been consistent that one of those names was Jeff Jarrett. Now hear me out here. Jeff Jarrett is a third generation promoter. He grew up in the Memphis territory, broke into business in 86, won the intercontinental and walked out on Vince McMahon in 95. 
He jumped ship to start working with the Horsemen in 96 and then told the world what he really thought about Austin 316 in 98. He held up Vince McMahon for a ton of cash in 99 and jumped ship again to become world champion in 2000. And then on the final night of the Monday Night War, the only ever Raw Nitro simulcast, he was publicly fired by Vince McMahon in 2001. So without a job in wrestling, he decides to embrace his family heritage as a promoter and create jobs himself and started his own promotion in 02. And then a former WCW employee who was on his team committed fraud that nearly bankrupted both him and his father. So he found an angel investor of sorts who wound up being indicted on one of the largest financial schemes in American history. With both of those guys facing prison time, he met with a public relations firm in Nashville to figure out how to save face only to find out the lady he was talking to had billionaire parents. And that's when things got really crazy. If Jeff Jarrett's life story were a movie script, nobody would believe it. Conrad, welcome to my world. Hear my story like you've never heard it before. Unfiltered and uncensored for the very first time. From Memphis to the WWF, WCW, TNA, and everywhere in between, nothing is off limits in my world. Subscribe today and don't miss My World with Jeff Jarrett, Tuesdays on Westwood One. Coming up next, your brother is going to strut that ass out here with Chris Candido. They, of course, are the Body Donnas, and they're going to retain their tag titles, beating the Godwins in 7 minutes and 17 seconds. Slightly better, but basically along the same lines as their WrestleMania match, according to Meltzer. They're pushing the angle where pig, which is Phineas Godwin is infatuated with Sonny and Sonny uses it to her team's advantage. Sonny gave pig an autograph photo of her and he concentrated on it more than the match finish. Saw hog that's Henry or Godwin use the slop drop on skip, but they did the switch behind hogs back and zip pinned him with an inside cradle hog got mad and put the picture of Sonny in the slop. But Pig took it out and wiped off the photo and left with it. Star in three quarters. What the fuck are we watching right now? The Godwin's on the body on us. This feels like 1987, 1988 level wrestling. No, this was what? 98, right? It's 96. 96. Close though. But I'm just saying this feels like uh, coming up next, the killer bees, you know, that's just if no, the bees weren't on this show, it was Bobby Donna's and, and the Godwins, Phineas and, and Henry. Oh, Godwin. I'm going to find I'm going to hang Phineas, up on you in just a minute. What was Phineas's middle name? I don't know. Ignit. Ignit? Ignit. You're Ignit. I feel Ignit even talking about a Godwins match with you. Like, why was this? A, did y'all ever feel guilty? I feel like at some point you and Vince are on yeah. headsets and he looks over at you and says, God damn, can you believe this shit? We got two hog farmers. One's pig, one's hog. And we got your brother to cut his hair. <laughs> I like Tom's haircut. I'm sure you did more than, more than he did. Probably. Yeah. Made him zip skippy and zippy. You know, he knows where you live. Yeah. I know he's been here. So chat me up. And yeah. See, and yes, he can kick my ass. Now he could kick my ass. Then I've had my ass whooped many times by him. Yeah, it ain't like he's getting a cherry. This is this is not good stuff here. He's beat my ass so bad he's put me to bed. 
Oh, he'd beat you up and like, then tuck get you in? my bed and put me in my bed and pull the covers up on me and told me don't get up again. And then I got up again. And he whipped my ass again, put me in bed again. Third time he did it, I stayed. <laughs> and by the way, folks, we're not talking about when they were in high school. This was about three or four years ago. Um, Liar. A- a- any remorse about the silliness? None whatsoever. Entertaining shit. You know, when we've got Vader and Razor before and we got Sean and Diesel on the other side, it feels like, damn, there's some hidden shit on here. But then there's like body Donna's and the Godwins and gold dust. It's a let up. You can't go goddamn serious all the time. Have some fun. Lighten up. Okay. Lighten up Francis. Oh, Jesus. Trash and trash. Sure. Body Donna. Bullshit. Look, you got a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion and one half of the Smoking Mountain Champion Tag Team of the Year against two five. Mark Canberra's a stud. I ain't got much to say about text and text text, but goddamn. They're going to have ha ha and bullshit. Sassafras. Goddamn. Disgusting. Phineas Godwin. Oh, fuck me have you heard how uh red ass jr has gotten over on the podcast how what i call it red ass jr he just he's just mad about everything all hey goddamn clouds fuck you cloud <laughs> in your clouds he asked me the other day he says uh connie you ever put kalua in your coffee and i said no sir i don't drink coffee and he says I'm tired of your goddamn rhetoric. It's useless. I'm like, I don't even know what happened right there. And you just, you asked if I put liquor in my coffee and I said, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. You corrected me on the fucking air, Connie. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. What's the point, Connie? I'm just asking. I mean, I'm giving you a goddamn life hack here. You take the Kahlua <laughs> and you put it in your coffee, Connie. I don't give a fuck if you don't, if you don't drink coffee. <laughs> You put Kahlua in the coffee and, and then you drink it. Anyway, check it I'll out. Give you a goddamn life hack though. Here's what you do. Conrad. This will, this will get you drinking coffee though. Okay. You should take the Kahlua. Like you get the little airline Kahlua. Yeah. This is what I have them do. Like on the airline. I said, like, okay, I want one of them little bottles of Kahlua. And right. I want one of them little bottles of Bailey's. And then you top that shit off with coffee. So you basically got more liquor than you got coffee. You got Bailey's and Kahlua. And then you top it off with the coffee. You stir it all up. Motherfucker. God damn, that is the sweetest, greatest shit in the world. Now you're going to start going, well, you know what, man? Maybe I don't want to drink all this Kahlua and Bailey's today. I'll just have some coffee. Put a little sweet and low there. And then you start, you, then you could be a, come a goddamn coffee drinker, Conrad. You would love it. Folks, well, try that at home. Shot of Kahlua, shot of Bailey's. Then you top it off with your coffee. And try grilling JR. It's on Thursdays. Yesterday. Nah, fuck that shit. Red ass JR. It's funny. Come on. I'm sorry. I've lived red ass JR for 40 fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have it. It's still fun for me. Red ass JR is <sighs> over. I'm even trying to convince him. He needs like a spicy barbecue sauce and just call it red ass JR's barbecue. But he mm. thinks he thinks it should be a hot sauce. Would you try red ass JR hot sauce? No, I would. You wouldn't try it. I wouldn't touch anything concerning his ass. <laughs> what, what's happening right now? 
Yeah. I was talking about, goddamn, you got you got a former NWA World Heavy. Dennis Carluzzo <laughs> picked this young man to be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That goddamn body, Donna. Fuck. I love that you just sprinkle in Michael Hayes right there at the end. Hey, uh, Dennis Carluzzo, that's a name I don't hear you dust off very often. You got any Dennis stories you can share with us? No. Well, I, I do, but I really shouldn't tell them. Okay. The next match is the main event for the world title. Uh, by the way, you can find out more about the sauce over at jrsbbq.com. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Will you stop it? He's no, a- fuck him. Fuck that. Fuck everything. Oh, this is red ass Bruce. Yeah. Okay. Damn right. It is. Okay. Sean Michaels and Diesel's up next. It's a rematch from WrestleMania 11, except this time Sean's the champ. So Diesel retained his world title at WrestleMania 11. Of course, it's not WrestleMania, but still, they're going to put on quite the show here. Can I give an insight into this real quickly, Conrad? I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I'm sorry. Re- read the first line of that that thing uh, up here after the 1753. Read that first line. Okay, so Shawn Michaels retained the WWF title, pinning Diesel in 1753. And the next line you want is yeah. Michaels did an Orihara moonsault, which is a moonsault the from the top turnbuckle outside to the floor. Yeah. I mean, I had an Ori Hara roll the other day. And, uh, Will you stop it? You're not allowed to talk Oishi. like that. I did at Oishi. You can't talk I mean, like that. One. It's got like the lobster and the crab and they top it off with the raw tuna and spicy tuna on top. Let me just say, I, um, I did type in Ori Hara and I, I, I had to type the whole word moonsault. It didn't just automatically do it for me. But it does say his finishing maneuver was a moonsault. So he just had a preference in his style of moonsault, I assume. But yeah, Meltzer describes it as a moonsault from the top to the outside of the ring to the floor. So the next time you see it, when Charlotte does it, maybe we could have uh, Corey Gray. Yeah, no. I like mine with a little Tobiko on top. You can't say that. Uh, so diesel pulls off Hugo Savinovich's boot and uses it. And Michaels does the Ray Stevens flip in the corner and crashes into the guardrail. Diesel took over chokes out referee Earl Hebner with tape, pulls the belt from his pants and starts whipping Sean Michaels. He hangs Sean over the ropes and, uh, he's tying him to the ropes by the belt. And then diesel is throwing Howard Finkel out of his chair. He gives Sean two chair shots to the back. He goes for a, a third chair shot, but this time to the head, Sean moves and diesel's chair shot hits the ropes and rebounds into his own face. Let's take a timeout right there. Everything so far sounds pretty badass, but this cartoon spot of I'm going to swing the chair and miss. And now I hit myself in the face. That's a little silly. Is it not? Not until you do it. As Michaels went to use the chair, Diesel hit him with a low blow. Um, Meltzer would say Michael's selling was tremendous. Diesel powerbomb Michaels through McMahon and Lawler's table with the monitors flying. Michaels made a comeback by spraying Diesel with a fire extinguisher that was under the ring. He used two chair shots before Diesel cut him off with a foot to the face. He went for the jackknife, but Michaels oh, <laughs> fell on top of him and came off the top rope with an elbow drop. As Michaels goes for the super kick, Diesel blocks it and hit a clothesline and sent Michaels over the top rope with a second clothesline and then dropped him on the guardrail. And here's the big moment. 
Diesel then goes after mad dog Vashon, pulling him over the guardrail and taking off his artificial leg before he could use it. Michael's hit the low blow and used it with Lawler's headset being wrapped up in the leg. That's a sentence. Michael's then used the super kick for the pin four and a half stars. My God, what a match. There's so many gimmicks here. We're taking a dude's shoe off another dude's belt off. Uh, we're using chair shots. We got fire extinguishers, power bombs through tables, and we took a motherfucker's leg off. This is a great match, but heavy on gimmicks. what do you think? Heavy on gimmicks. I'm just saying you, you sometimes hate, oh, I hate all that garbage bullshit. All that ECW tables and chairs. Oh, fuck you. Sell a hole, put on an arm bar. Let's see a knee bar. Hang on. That's what every goddamn match is that way. Okay. This was the only match that was this way. Okay. This was one match. I love the match. I think it's legitimately, I think this and the Bret Hart, um, diesel match are the two best matches that Kevin Nash ever had for me that I enjoy. Not that maybe other people liked different matches. Those are my two favorites of his. I, I, I'd be up there with that. I thought this was tremendous. A lot to unpack here in this era. I know that everybody, especially Sean really liked leaning on Pat and Pat took a lot of pride in helping put together WrestleMania 12's main event was Pat involved with this match. Yeah, he was absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we were there <laughs> mad dog, you know, lived in Omaha and was always there and had lost his leg in a horrible, uh, accident where he was out cutting his grass along the road and someone hit him Oh and shit! he lost his leg, like left him on the side of the road to die. And they had to amputate his leg. And so mad dog had a, a prosthetic leg, but we were the, the, I don't know how to describe the, the building, but if you've been to it like a stadium and you know how, like on the corners, they have those big ramps that you just yes. go down Spirals. in Omaha. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like a zigzag kind of thing. And, yeah. and and Mad Dog was sitting kind of like in between one of those things there. And we're talking to him. And I always had a, a real good relationship with Maurice through the years. Blah, blah, blah. He, he just um, was really, really a classy, great, great guy. Um, and Maurice was more. It was actually Maurice's idea. And I don't you take the leg, you use the leg, and they rip it off of me. I don't give a fuck. And, <laughs> and we're sitting there and we're laughing about it. Wait, who is we? He's pitching this to you and now who? Pat and I are sitting there bullshitting with Maurice. Okay, okay. Okay. And but we're laughing about it. Sure. And then we start to think about it and ran it by Vince and said, Hey, what do you think? Oh God. If, if he goes, Well, Maurice is good with it, you know, run it by the talent, then ran it by the talent. And of course they fucking loved it. And it was unique. It was, it was a different spot. It was, uh, you know, way ahead of Zach Gowan. And it just was sitting there and watching, you know, with the leg and it was, Oh my God, they just took his leg off. And for those that don't know that Maurice had a prosthetic leg, it was quite a visual. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I thought it was cool as shit. Do you find yourself making that long commute home, listening to your favorite wrestling podcast, only to realize half your trip was hearing way too many ads just like this one? 
then I have a solution for you. Adfreeshows.com. Maybe you've often wondered what it would be like to actually see Kurt Angle's face as he talks through one of his many epic wrestling matches. Guess what? You can, and it's only at adfreeshows.com. Adfreeshows.com is the be-all, end-all for wrestling fans. Whether you like to listen or watch, you can do it early and ad-free right now and find out why everyone that joins says, why didn't I do this sooner? An annual subscription could be the perfect birthday, Mother's Day, or Father's Day gift. So put it on your list and head on over to adfreeshows.com now to see what all the buzz is about. Do you think uh, Kevin Nash wanted to... Um, Listen, he's a controversial figure. You and I both like Kevin Nash, by the way. He's, he's yeah, a witty, funny, entertaining, hell of a guy, but he can also be a shit disturber. And in this era, maybe he could be known for undermining things, but he's not going to dare try to fuck up his buddy's push here. He's going to pull out all the stops to help Sean be as over as he can be on his way out. Right? Yeah. I think that Kevin was there to do just that. Make Sean look as good as he possibly could. So there's no pushback from anybody, Sean or Kevin about all the different stuff that we're going to do in this match, including the leg. Like I know this sounds crazy because I, I feel embarrassed even having to ask, but do you have a walkthrough about how to disconnect a leg? Like in my head, that feels like something I'd want to make sure I had down pat. I don't want to hurt the guy and I've never fucking taken a leg. I don't know how to do this. Right. Yeah. All mad dog had to do was unlatch it. He had to had you know, like a uh, thing that, straps onto okay and he just had to make sure that all that was undone before they came for the leg are, um do you remember the moment when the leg disconnects are you on headsets in the back and gorilla for this or are you yeah that... and we didn't tell everybody what was going to happen so how was what was the response backstage everywhere oh was... my god people i mean just popping like crazy because first of all you're wondering what the hell just happened yeah like what the... oh my god he's got Oh, this is everybody unanimously thought it was great. It is. And even the audience, you can hear the audience almost like in horror of what has happened, but then it's pretty cool. And then you realize for the people that were there locally that knew who mad dog was and had kind of grown up on mad dog, I think that they got it instantly and were happy that would, would understand the joy the mad dog got out of that spot. Oh yeah. He had to love it. Do you think, um, mad dogs, spoke lo- too. I was wondering if they went to the same school together. Oh, yeah, they spoke gimmick. Yes. Do you think, uh, we'll see that leg on that, uh, A and E hidden treasure show next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Now see, that's something I would like, like to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, overall, what'd you like better their match here or their match at WrestleMania 11? Oh, this match here was much more fun. It was so much fun. You know, this is silly, but we got a lot of questions about it on Twitter. So I got to ask after the match, Vince comes into the ring with Sean and Sean kisses him on the lips. And I don't know. That's not something that you often saw in this era. What'd you think? Yeah, I don't even remember that. Uh, Michaels has said about this match, it was all I could do to get through each and every day back then you begin to realize, okay, so now you're going every month. I'm the champion. 
Yes. I've got an opportunity here to really solidify myself as a top notch performer. One of the first in your houses was me and Nash coming off my title victory of the championship and getting into a no holds barred match with Kevin, which I just feel was a wonderful opportunity. He was leaving. It was the kind of match that at the time WWE wasn't going to do a lot. It was a chance to showcase myself in a little rougher, tougher way. So I certainly looked at each and every performance from a, anything that was going to make it on TV or be televised. I always thought of it as an opportunity to do my best to set myself separately from everybody else as a performer, as I could, how big of a, uh, notch in the belt is this match for Sean? Because coming into this match, Sean had been ridiculed on promos by Brett, um, and in the, in the magazines and articles and things like that, the idea being that he's not exactly what a WWF champion should be. He's a pretty boy. He's this, he's that we're not necessarily doing a shoot brother yet, but you get the idea. And now we're sort of showing a harder edge of Sean, right? I mean, this is not just bell to bell. We're swinging chairs and tables. Oh my. Yeah. But I think that this was one of those that kind of put Sean into that next level and just, he wasn't just the pretty, uh, spot worker guy. And this was an opportunity to see Sean sell, see Sean make a true babyface comeback, if you will, but put him in a different light and to do it with his friend, Kevin Nash and to do it the way they did it. I, I just, it, it was believable. It made sense and it felt good. He talked about the whole leg thing. He said like, Oh my goodness, you want us to do what? You rarely even get the green line for something like that, but usually it's you as a talent suggesting it. So when one of the guys in charge is suggesting it, we're like, oh my gosh, on the one hand you go, oh my goodness, that's brilliant. But then on the other hand, you go, oh man, is lightning going to strike me after something like that? Where does that fall (laughs) on the whole karma thing? I hope the good Lord knows that it's all just pro wrestling fun. Look, it turned out great. It was memorable. I think that whole match was well-timed as well, considering what was ahead for the WWE in the future, that's sort of hard to dispute. I mean, we're not quite to the attitude era, but the very next month, or I guess two months after this is the whole King of the ring thing with Austin three sixteen, And this could be like, I don't know, step in that direction. I think so. I think uh, unbeknownst at the time though, I don't think that anybody saw it that at the time, it was just appropriate for that match, that issue on that night. You know, you had all of the right pieces coming together to make the puzzle whole. I want to mention the, uh, the show goes off the air, but there's two dark matches after this for the live audience. Uh, so Helmsley pins Marrow, uh, using his feet on the ropes and what was supposed to be uh, a so-so match according to the reports. And then undertaker would pin mankind with a tombstone and what was said to be a terrible match. Uh, but the next night on raw during the intro of the show, Jerry Lawler is going to tell Vince McMahon that Jim Cornette is going to explain that Shawn Michaels is a womanizer and a homewrecker. So we're starting our course for bulldog as the next opponent. Is this sort of the, the old, what would we do if he were Hulk mentality? You and I've talked a lot about the transition, if you will, from Hogan to Brett and internally the marketing department and the different divisions within the company would would have a question of, well, how do we do that for Brett? And you would always come back to what did we do for Hulk? 
And in those days you had a heel factory. So it was just one after another. Is that what we've got to do here for Sean? Okay. Diesel's out next up bulldog next night. Here we go. To a certain extent, but not so much with Sean. And we realized we needed a little bit different approach with Sean, not, not to go the Hulk Hogan route because that had been done. And I think that in some ways, I don't want to say it was a failed experiment with Brett, but it didn't always work with Brett. We realized we had to present Brett in a different way than Hulk because he was different than Hulk. So don't that, that playbook. Sometimes you go with what's familiar and try to adapt. And we needed a new playbook. This night, uh, the next night after this pay-per-view, we see mankind beat Bart gun and, um, Jim Ross is going to interview Bart Gunn after the match. Of course, mankind won with the mandible claw and Bart is gasping and talking about the paralysis that the hold causes and mankind attacks him again. And they go to commercial break. We also see Steve Austin beat Scott Taylor in two minutes and 38 seconds. Of course, they're talking about setting up the Caribbean strap match here with Austin and Vega. And then bulldog comes to the ring with his wife, Diana Smith and uh, Sean follows, and they've got a whole in ring thing here where essentially we're setting up the angle with bulldog and we're using Diana Cornette's going to call Sean a sexual deviant because he says that, uh, Sean backed her into the corner and propositioned her. And he, <laughs> I don't know why this is funny, but Cornette says that Sean wanted to sully and corrupt and desecrate her. And he concluded Diana, look at him and tell the man who tried to lay his hands on your most private parts and call him a fornicator. God, this is so funny to me, dude. You fornicator. Are you calling me a fornicator motherfucker? Well, I mean, I've met your kids once upon a time you were. Well, okay. And then Diana says, Sean, I know you want me the fans who and awe. And then Sean says, Mrs. Smith, with all due respect, please do not flatter yourself. Of course she slapped him. And, uh, he says, well, I guess we know who wears the pants in the Smith family. And here we go. Pull apart brawl. Uh, the matches are going to be great though. We also get the Godwins and the new rockers. Hey, as a rule of thumb, if you put the word new in front of something, is it instantly dead? Oh my God. No, it takes off like a rocket. Give me some examples of that. New, new gain now with scrubbing bubbles. Oh, I mean, like <laughs> you always say that. I love you for that being just your go-to. The new rockers, new midnight express. Just, you know, new tide okay. with oxidant. Well, we needed some oxidant for what's next. Uh, what is oxidant? You know, let's go with it. It seems like something Isaac Yankum would use and you guys weren't putting much thought into that, but warrior is going to pin Isaac. Yankum. Oh God. Warrior Isaac Yankum. Let's talk about the, uh, the pay-per-view. Um, Overall, the wrestling observer readers gave it 64.9% thumbs up 21.6% thumbs down 13 and a half percent thumbs in the middle. What say you Bruce thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I thought it was a fun show. And too. again, I think you, you remember what was on last and that that's where you judge. I mean, it's not really a one match show, but it doesn't feel like it's that far off. I mean, this is a really good show. It was a good show. And I, and again, I, I emphasize, you know, it was a fun show, especially, you know, when you can consider a couple of the matches, specifically that main event, go out of your way to see it. If you're going to watch one thing here, that's the one. 
the best match poll, it was pretty much unanimous. Razor and Vader got 11 votes, but Sean and Diesel got 246. Worst match, everyone agreed. Uh, Warrior and Goldust was the worst match. The highlight, though, um, for me, I think will always be the leg spot. Do you think to a younger, I'm not saying overall, I want to be clear about that, but to fans, I don't know, in their 30s, maybe early 40s, is Mad Dog with Sean's most memorable thing going to be this leg spot? Maybe to that audience, but uh, if you did a little research and did a little digging, Mad Dog with Sean was hardcore before they knew what hardcore even meant. For sure. So, you know, yeah, probably to this audience, but Mad Dog was Mad Dog. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, Bruce is getting fussy. It's time for us to put him to bed. Just like uh, uncle Tom used to do. I don't th- wait. No brother Tom. We'll, we'll figure that out next week though. You saying? Well, I'll, you know, if you're like. He's your brother and I, you know, y'all, well, okay. Trish Stratus is uh, something I have notes for. And I also have notes for backlash 2006, Bruce, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you want to talk about next week? Okay. What's you got to, you know how you have to, you have to, you you have to give me more information than that. It's like, Hey Bruce, we want to talk about May 19th, uh, 1964. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Backlash 2006 is a triple threat main event. With John Cena, Triple H, and Edge. Or we could talk about Trish Stratus. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you think I forgot the best part of Backlash 06? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I thought you gave it to me already. Well, I told you the main event, but I really just did that as a tease because it's, Mr. Tease, Mc, it's, right? it's Mr. McMahon and Shane McMahon against Shawn Michaels and God. Oh, let's go there. <laughs> I knew you'd want to do that one. Yeah. So there you go, boys and girls. That's well, what's coming up. A lot of leave it to Beaver, and there are a lot of there are a lot of God references in there. Well, Beaver, you know, people are always watching you, and sometimes it may not be people that are like, well, you know, near. And he goes, "You mean like God, mommy?" That's exactly what I'm talking about, Beaver. Yeah. So I'll, I like that one. Let's talk about that one. <laughs> Backlash 2006 coming your way. Well, what are, what's going on in our lives right now? Well, we're excited to talk about when Vince McMahon wrestled God undefeated. Well, I don't know. I feel like God got his heat back with that rain delay this year, but we'll talk about that another time. Did he? <laughs> Maybe they're going to go the distance. Maybe we need a rubber match one day. Yeah. You never know. Hey, uh, I know we don't usually talk about current stuff, but Hey, kudos to you guys on the, uh, stuff you've done on a and E this past week, we saw the Roddy Piper biography. Uh, how fun was that to participate in? You know, yeah, they've been fun. It's, it's been a, been an interesting ride. And I think that, uh, thus far the, the product has been tremendous and worth checking out. So if you haven't already check it out Sunday night, of course, two weeks ago was Austin this past week was Roddy Piper. Uh, and there's a lot more still coming your way. Uh, but next week we'll be back with backlash. Oh, six, the full card, by the way, Carlito and Chris masters, Umaga and Rick flair, Trish and Mickey. Uh, Rob Van Dam and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, it's a winner take all, uh, for the intercontinental championship and the money in the bank contract. We've also got big show and Kane. Your main event we mentioned was a triple threat, but really it's about <laughs> Vince Shane against Sean and 
God. It's Backlash 06, and uh, he is Bruce Pritchard. I am a Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. That was weak. You normally have some sort of fun follow up at the end, like some sort of silly voice. Or are you really that fussy? Are you not hydrated? Why fussy? I don't know. Just feels like how the fuck am I fussy? I'm the most unfussy motherfucker you deal with in your entire life. That's not true. It is too true. What about red ass Jr? You got all red ass Bruce on me today. Oh no! Well, I'm not fussy like him. I'm not a goddamn prima donna like that. Oh, you know I'm still recording. Okay. Okay, we called him a prima donna. Well, okay. Those are hurtful words. Are they? Why? I don't know. I just thought y'all were pals. We are. Okay. We got no problem with that. You're a prima donna. How am I a prima donna? Look at you. What does that mean? You know what it means. We'll see you next week. You know what this is? Hey, do that lightsaber thing before we get out of here. Wait, hang on. Let me try it. There it is. <laughs> what are you oh showing my. me? What is that? Yeah. Can you see that? Can you make it yeah. out? What is that? That's right. like the top of a New Guinea spear. Why do you have such weird shit in your office? I got all these spears from New Guinea that were in Paul's house. Oh. You know what you don't have? A Ric Flair contract signed by Beth. Yeah, there you go. You don't have a, a Indian headdress from uh, Intercontinental Airport. Oh, is that where that's from? <laughs> Well, tell me now, you motherfucker. Let me look at it. You're looking at it right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, yeah. Does it look worn? Or I mean, does it look pretty new? It doesn't look pretty new. I mean, it does look worn, but I mean, I don't. It doesn't look beat to shit like you would assume. So I paid for a gimmick. Wahoo's are all kind of beat to shit. You motherfucker, you. I'm why you didn't ask me before. And again, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not true. You scroll through our text messages. I blew you up with pictures that day and you ignored them all. No, I didn't. I actually tried, tried what to type me back and just didn't No, to just, I called the fucking guy and I said, pull that shit off and do a FaceTime with me. Told me they were already gone. Yeah. Well, I bought them. Yeah. I got you something you don't have yet either, but it's probably a fucking Fugazi too. I'm over here spending all kinds of money. Okay. Hang on though. I don't think it's a Fugazi. It it belonged to Paul. I don't think it was Wahoos. I hate you so much right now. I don't be mad at me for that. I would have taken it because it was Paul's. (laughs) You wanted it because you thought it was Wahoos. I don't think that one was Wahoos. Sorry. Why would Paul have the, an extra the crown, the crown one? The crown ones. I now that one when I saw those, I was like, "Oh fuck, you got to fucking be kidding me!" But hang Come on, on people, go goddamn Southern Imports and get them. I mean, by the way, Southern yeah. Importers is their name, and they're still open right now. They are. Is it on Travis or Maine? Neither. It's like San Richter or some bullshit. Oh, San San Jacinto. Yeah, whatever you just said. Hey, so why would Paul have a not Wahoo Indian headdress in his office? Is a presentation from the boys club. Fuck you. We'll see you next week. Backlash 2006. God damn You're it. You're not recording all this shit, are you? Yeah. Well, we did, you were you were short on story this week. We got to add some fucking play. When I finish this, it's probably like three more Steven Singers. Are you going to like rip that headdress up now? Like fucking uh, 
Johnny Valentine did with Wahoo one time on TV and he ripped his headdress. And that was a fucking uh, angle for a match. Motherfucker. Hey, here's the deal though. You got to appreciate you're the guy who comes in here and says, yeah, this ain't the real belt. When I know it's the real belt, you're just cantankerous. You're just a heel. Like, oh, Carter has something that brings him joy. I'm going to shit on it. Watch this. I enjoy, but see that you are missing the point. I enjoy it because it was Paul's. Yeah, I get that. You wanted it because you thought it was Wahoo. I look, Paul was a working motherfucker. That shit was special to me because I enjoyed that fucking part of the work. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying? It's like in the in the crowns. Well, come on. Oh, we happen to have three crowns of fucking JYDs. No, we happen to have three fucking crowns that we fed to JYD. We had five or six. We had a bunch of fucking crowns. We had to bring them every goddamn week because he would destroy them. Don't get hot at me. I did wonder how Wahoo's headdress wound up at Paul Bosch's, but because it was at Bosch's, I didn't question it. God yeah, damn he got it. Presented, that's, he got presented one from the uh, Variety Boys Club. I hate you a lot. Don't hate me. You know, I'm still going to tell everybody it's Wahoo's headdress. Okay. Uh, and you know what, man? As far as I'm concerned, it is too. <laughs> I'm not taking it down. I'm leaving it up there. No, it looks beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And there, and I swear, okay. So you think I'm fucking with you now, but there is a headdress in uh, Houston Intercontinental Airport that every time I go buy it, I go, I got to buy that motherfucker because it's beautiful. There's a, it's a, it's a, anybody that goes to Houston right. airport would know exactly so what, what, fucking what you got, it, what you got back there. You want to trade something? Cause I got a Paul Bosch authentic headdress back here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this motherfucker's heavy as fuck. Uh, this that's like a naked dude. <sighs> yeah. A little ding, ding dong there thing. Why don't, why don't, why don't with that? Because it came from Paul's office. I mean, you got a fucking hairdress. It came from his fucking garage. I'm going to hang up on you. I hate you so much. Uh, I got some frog wrestling up there. I got this one right here in the middle. That's heavy as fuck, too. Hey, I, um, I got the New Guinea swords in here. And all kinds of little statues. I showed you the wooden statue things that yeah. are carved by the famous artist. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got, uh, I got a slammy from 1987. That's cool. And you got them from the guy that then you got them from the place where, uh, they made them from originally. Yeah. I showed you the sticker on bottom, right? Fucking place. And yeah. So I got to get that up there so you can actually, I'll bring it with me when I come visit and get you to autograph it for me. Okay. I'll show you the place where I'll show you the address where that used to be. I have the address. We'll ride by. We'll have lunch. It'll be great. Show you the place. When I come up, are you going to try to feed me some of that hot oil pizza bullshit y'all do up there? That was a Ben Brown thing. It is. I like hot oil pizza though. Colony. It was good. Yeah. It's okay. But I'm just saying, I didn't know that was like a Connecticut thing. I was glad to have it. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. Now you're bitching about Ben Brown's fucking. No, I love Ben Brown. You like oysters? Yeah. I like oysters. Remember you had so many oysters here in Huntsville. You had a heart attack. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I like oysters. There's a good oyster place. All right. Well, pick my Tuesday and I'll see you then, but we'll see you next week. I recorded all this. I left it all in (laughs) next week. Backlash. Oh, six God versus Vince McMahon. What a business. What a world. Special fries. Yeah. We got to talk about that. That felt like there was some real heat there. I don't get it. 
I ain't got no heat. I ain't got no heat with anybody. Well, we'll work on that between next week. Somebody somewhere okay. hates you. Yeah, well, more than somebody. See you next week, folks. Right here. Something to wrestle with. Mother's Day is almost here, and Steven Singer's got your back with his brand new rose color, Sunshine Yellow. This new Sunshine Rose is a brilliant shade of yellow that dazzles with sparkles. His famous gold roses are real roses dipped and trimmed in 24 karat gold that last a lifetime. Steven has always been in the love business, and this past year we've seen just how important love is. In addition to brightening your loved one's day, Steven wants to put a little sunshine in everyone's days. So he's continuing to use a portion of each rose sold to support local restaurants by catering meals for all the incredible nurses, doctors, first responders, and hospital heroes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and send a sunshine gold dipped rose. Order now and receive it in time for Mother's Day. It's a win, win, win. You'll give sunshine that lasts a lifetime to a loved one. You'll be supporting local restaurants by thanking our essential workers and you'll feel good about doing it. You can't go wrong. They all come with a lifetime guarantee, free personalized gift message and fast and free shipping. Simply say, I love you or honor mom on mother's day. Just go to, I hate Steven singer.com. Hey man, you want an extra 60 grand? We hooked Christopher up in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. He left us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say, I listen to every podcast Conrad and his team put out. I've heard the ad numerous times and decided to give it a try. What is there to lose? I did lose something. Nearly 60K. I saved nearly $60,000 over the course of my loan. It was simple and a great experience. Thanks, Conrad. And a surprise staff member. Hmm. Who is that mystery man? $60,000. We made this fast and easy for Christopher. And it's easy to get a quick quote and see how much you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We routinely help our podcast listeners save sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. Let's start saving money right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Save with Conrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.